0: To the Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and with me today is Lindsay LaPaquette. Lindsay works with organizations who want to invest in elevating team performance by refining leadership communication skills. Lindsay's background is a former speech-language pathologist specialized in working with clients with social interaction challenges, brings a unique perspective that helps leaders and organizations get to the root of complex communication issues so they can save time, money, and sanity. Lindsay's approach has been profoundly influenced by her work with First Nations organizations, her experience as a parent to two children with pervasive mental health challenges, and the premature loss of both of her parents. These experiences have taught Lindsay great lessons about the power of excellent people skills that extend well beyond her professional expertise. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. You're someone who used to try to control every aspect of your life because you were raised to believe that planning for every possibility was the way to success. But after having been thrown a few curveballs, do you still think that you can plan for whatever life throws your way?
1: No, not at all. Um, I, you, you captured it perfectly. I really did think that Planning out every single detail of where you wanted to get in life was the path to ultimate success. I was raised in an environment where my dad would constantly remind you, ready, fire, aim, anytime something would go wrong, which, you know, basically meant you didn't plan enough and hence you've missed your shot. Mm. Um, and then I just had some life experiences that made me realize that sometimes you can plan all you want and, and life happens nonetheless.
0: Life does happen. I think that's something we can all resonate with right now. Especially now. Yeah. Yeah. And you believe that embracing change rather than resisting it is actually a huge key to inner peace. Why is that?
1: So I look back at some of the big events that I've experienced in my life and they threw me into a ton of upset and fighting for it to be different. You know, I didn't didn't accept, I guess, in the moment, what was going on and thought that if only I did this and only I tried that, I would get through it faster and I could get back on that predetermined plan. And so, you know, I think back to when I was 26 and I had a, a really severe tailbone injury that uh, sort of Pushed me from working full time, having a private practice, running marathons, out at social events all the time, to not even being able to walk around the block and uh, on disability for two years at, at twenty six, as my friends were off starting their families, uh, and I I wanted that I wanted that family that's that was in our plans and uh, we had to push that off, and I felt that I I could. I guess just push through that instead of letting my body heal on my body's timeline. And frankly, I think I made it worse by resisting and trying to put my healing on my timeline instead of on the timeline that my body
0: needed. Mm, I can totally relate to that. I am so stubborn. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's a word that describes me.
0: <laughs> I am very much kind of on my own timeline, and no matter you know the direction that's given. It's like, well, I'll show you. And then I'm like, dang it, I should have just listened. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Well, and I think what I've realized through my lifetime is that I wasted an awful lot of energy resisting Mm -hmm. against what was. And I think part of my journey has been being able to better recognize where is that energy worthwhile? You know, what things you know i'm I'm very passionate about social justice, which you know anyone who follows me knows, and that's something I put energy into, even though I know it's maybe not going to change tomorrow because I do think you can influence change, but I think there are things where you can't have any influence, you know so the date that a vaccine is going to be available we have we have no unless you work in you know creation of vaccines. And even then, you know, we don't have control over that. And so I think I've learned to not put my energy into things I can't control and rather learn to adjust to them. And that has certainly brought me a heck of a lot more inner peace than I had years back.
0: Mm. Do you think that there's a defining moment or maybe a series of moments that accumulated where you started to shift your perspective from feeling like, you didn't plan enough and feeling like, you know, that resistance to change to pivoting more to a mindset of embracing it and feeling like, you know what, there's just no way I could have planned for this. Hmm. So I think there
1: were a, a couple, one, as you mentioned in my bio was the birth of our two kids who both have mental health challenges. And, you know, you have that vision of what it's going to be like to have kids And then it turns out a very different story from what you had fantasized and you, you watch your friends living what feels like the fantasy, although I know that's not the way anyone necessarily lives the experience of having children, but that's what it feels like when you have your own two kids who are going through multiple medical appointments, behavioral challenges, getting kicked out of daycare. And it, it, um, I think, at some point, I just had to grieve, you know grieve what what wasn't, and realize that by staying in that mindset of wishing it was different, uh, I was really impeding uh, my ability to move forward successfully i suppose
0: mm, that is such an important lesson, I think, no matter how different you know my path of life is, or that those of the listeners that I think we can all relate on some level that in one point of our life, we've probably imposed these expectations and hoped and wished and dreamed that things would go one way. And when it doesn't, or when they don't, I mean, it can just feel like your world is crumbling. And, you know, you mentioned kind of mourning what wasn't, I think that's that's huge. And that takes a lot of self-awareness to recognize that, you know, I've got to give myself some space here and, and, and it's okay.
1: And I, and I think the other thing I learned through that was that it pops up at multiple times. Right. And so I thought that was, you know, and, and I'm here, I'm speaking about having kids with special needs, but like you said, this can be any experience you've had in your life, a job loss, a loss of a relationship and whatnot. Um, that that it's not a linear path right it it may pop up again in future and and that whenever we're having these moments whether it's grief around a specific event or just you know that sense of i wish this weren't the way to take for me i find taking that space to honor it i guess has really impacted how i show up in the world and how i'm able to communicate with others in a way that is not um I guess, pushing my stuff onto them mm-hmm. or, ex, you know, having a certain expectation of who they will be in my life for me because I'm taking space to deal with it myself.
0: Mm. And do you, so this is actually a conversation, a little bit of a different context, but a conversation that I've been having with a few people in my circle is this sense of ownership. And I think a lot of strong people, a lot of people who are often looked up to as, you know, a leader and that are inspiring many feel like I'm just going to have to deal with this. I'm going to have to figure this out. And they take it upon themselves. And it becomes heavy sometimes to feel like I've just got to figure this out now. This is for me to work through. Did Was there ever a time where you had a hard time asking for help or did that come easily to you? <laughs>
1: no, it did not come easily to me. So I was raised, well, I was going to say I was raised to be highly independent, although I think my parents might say I was born highly independent and they just <laughs> let it be. Um, I don't know. But uh, so for me, the the moment that stood out to me was uh, after, so my mom and uncle were killed in a car accident in 2014 Mm. and it shattered my world. And I desperately needed help. I needed to talk about it. I needed help doing laundry and getting groceries, getting through the smallest of tasks was emotionally exhausting. And and our kids were little. So we were also in the phase of, of diagnosis and behavior issues. And it was a heavy time in my life. And I remember clearly being in our basement in the back unfinished part where we did the laundry on the phone with a friend as I was loading the laundry. And she said to me, you know, it was probably a week or two after they had died. And she said, you know, Lindsay, what can I do? What can I do to help? And in my head, I was thinking, come fold my laundry, please bring me groceries, cook me something. And I said, Oh, we're okay. Thanks. You know, we'll get, we'll get by. And I couldn't bring myself to say, Oh, my God, I just need you to come over and help. And it was a very marked experience for me, because as I reflected on that moving forward, I realized that, yes, we need to take ownership, but sometimes taking too much ownership isn't the best path necessarily.
0: And what did you do to learn or to to change your mindset, um, you know, to say that I'm going to give this asking for help thing a try? I'm not
1: going to pretend that it's my top skill today, six <laughs> years later. It really is, switching my view of needing help, not being weak or meaning that you're not capable or sort of all those associations I had with it that prevented me from asking for help
0: um, has helped me to not see it as as a weakness. Yeah, I think you nailed it there. A lot of the people who I speak to about this, you know, this topic of not either having an, an easy time asking for help or just not feeling the need to ask for help, there's a real stigma around if you need help, you're weak. If you're if you need help, well you haven't done enough work to figure out figure it out on your own and that can keep us so stuck so stuck yeah Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) it's i think it it really prevents us from being able to develop true relationships and so i say that i had you know many friends many colleagues prior to the accident but uh i think that inability to Show where I needed help, you know brought a facade to who I was, and when I look back on the relationships I had in my life then versus now, they 're much deeper now because i 'm able to uh show that side of me without fear of being judged or how they 'll perceive me and, and and maybe not even just the fear, but um I guess i've let go a lot of even if someone does judge me for it,
0: well, then that 's their stuff, mm. Okay. So let's, let's pull this through to communication because I'm seeing a direct link here. So communication is at the foundation of everything you do. And I find authentic communication and connection is ultimately what's going to build the trust, what's going to build the foundation for these relationships. And so how important is it to bring some degree of vulnerability to communication in order for it to be effective? So my
1: perspective is that it's the core of it. You know, when I look at my model of communication that, that I've, you know, created and use in my work, the the first step is knowing yourself mm-hmm. and the next one is understanding others. And I won't go through the whole thing, but um, to me, being able to understand who you are and bring that to the world is is the core of connecting with people because people can intuitively pick up on signs that you're not being transparent and they may not know that you're not being transparent or be able to you know say I feel that they're not being up front with me but they they often can just pick up this little vibe you know I don't know if you've been in a room ever with someone where you meet them they seem nice rationally you can't explain why you you're a little hesitant but there's just something that you know makes you think huh you know I'm I'm just not sure about Mm -hmm. this person." And I think that's what we pick up on when someone's not being themselves and not being authentic. And I think it hugely affects our ability to connect and for for leaders or managers to be able to get the buy-in of their team members to follow them.
0: Oh, absolutely. And when I have these conversations, particularly with leaders, sometimes They don't really know where to begin, where to begin to know themselves, you know, what, where to begin in in bringing their true selves to the workplace. And so, I mean, as step one, it's actually quite a lot of work. (laughs) If you haven't started yet to discover who it is you truly are and, and the authentic version of yourself, it can be really intimidating. Do you have any advice on where to start? Um, I I think the first step is
1: starting to tune into your own signals about who you are. And so because I think if you start from externally, you get caught up in other people's perceptions of who you are, and you know, how you should change, let's say, quote, unquote. Um, and so for me, it was a lot of finding the things that that nourished my soul and doing more of those and the the more i did those the more connected i became to myself and and the tip that i'll give in terms of how to figure out what those things are because they're going to be different from everyone is watch watch your energy and watch how you're communicating and so for me after the accident i i would i'd be able to tell what drained me and what gave me energy by how patient I was able to be or not after certain activities. So, for instance, going to coffee with one person versus another. When was I coming home crankier and when was I coming home, you know, skipping up the steps? Mm -hmm. And it's not always a direct relation. So you have to be careful because sometimes it's things that have happened earlier in your day and you haven't noticed it. But I think as a first step, trying to really tune into what are the things that bring me joy? And what are the things that drain me? And how do I build my life to create more of those experiences I enjoy? It starts to slowly tell you what things you need to be happier and more fulfilled. Mm.
0: Oh, that's so good. And it reminds me this week I had the privilege of sitting in on a mastermind session with Jim Quick, and one of the things that he said is, you know, burnout is at an all-time high right now, and people are not necessarily burning out because they're doing too much, but rather they're burning out because they're doing too little of what lights them up. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh gosh, I mean, I'm so fortunate that I'm not in that place, but I have been, And I can definitely relate to, you know, understanding what is it? Who is it? What are the things that bring your energy up? And I've become so mindful over the last few months of energy management versus time management as a productivity tool. And it's fascinating. I think
1: that's the core of it. So when the pandemic hit, my first reaction was, How do I structure my life so I have the energy needed to work while taking care of our children at home? Because that felt like a massive task, right? As Mm -hmm. I think it did to everyone. And so my focus, not that my focus, I had focus on my business, but my first reaction was, you know, I was exhausted those first few weeks with information overload and the stress of it. Um, So at first it was, okay, sleep in a little later in the morning, make sure you're working out every day, make sure that you're taking a break with the kids midday and you're doing something fun. And I think that's what helped me get through those first few really stressful weeks was my focus shifted to energy management. And I think the more you do that, the more fulfilling your life becomes and also the better your relationships with others become. Because when you're not doing that, what inevitably happens is you're super tired and cranky at the end of the day and inevitably you take it out on the people around you or you avoid them because you don't have the energy to connect, you know, whether that's at home
0: or at work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't think that, that anyone would say, Oh no, that hasn't happened to me. (laughs) (laughs) I've all avoided someone or, or, or kind of came home cranky and can relate on some level. And the idea of energy impacting communication is something that I want to dig into as well, because like you said, you know, when we're, when we're feeling a little depleted, we might avoid, or it changes our, um, you know, our perspective, our tone, but even when we need to be on, right. And communication mm-hmm. starts, conversation starts. I see this all the time. It's like, it's like this pattern that I'm noticing where you say, you know, the zoom call starts and you say, Hey, how's it going? And oh my God, things are crazy right now. Or, oh, I'm so busy. I don't even know what day it is anymore. If I had a dollar for every time someone said, I don't know what day it is anymore, I would be a rich friggin' woman. And it's like, these have become the default answers. And, and I get it. I, it's not that I don't get it, but it's like, that's the energy you're bringing into the conversation. And I'm really curious to know from your perspective, how can we be more present in, in those conversations, in those moments where Despite the chaos, you know, of course, you know, things might be crazy and and you may not know what day it is, but how can we rein in the energy to communicate better and ultimately strengthen their relationship with the person who's on the other end of the conversation?
1: Mm. I think, you know, it it comes down to self-awareness and knowing that you need to have a pause button. And so, you know, I, I get into those moments too, where I'm, you know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm so overwhelmed. There's so much to do. I can't, you know, deal with this. And I try to catch it. And the minute I become aware of it is, is the moment where I'm opening that door to not letting that dictate what goes on forever. And I think that's one of the skills I've really worked on honing myself over the past few years, and that I help others with is that as this, you know, you can start to feel the stress in your body, you know, that's one way to pick up on it, you can start to see it in the way you're communicating, and then make sure you decide you're going to do something to give yourself some time to process that and some space. So whether that's, You know, you tell yourself next time before your next call, you take five minutes to sit quietly so that you're not rushing from one to the next and that's feeding that dynamic. Is it that you tell yourself, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed now. Tonight is going to be a night where, you know, we just relax and I don't know, watch a movie, take a walk, do whatever recharges you. But I think it's prioritizing, noticing first that behavior And then prioritizing what you need to shift yourself out of that. And I think it's unrealistic to expect we will never get into that kind of a state, right? Mm -hmm. It's part of being human. But I think where the power lies is when we learn behaviors and
0: skills to not get stuck in it. Mm, That's great advice. What about on the flip side of the coin? So that's kind of the overwhelm. Um, almost default answer. But then there's a lot of the, I'm good, you? <laughs> <kind> <laughs> of surface. And I don't even think it's it's done intentionally to not have an authentic conversation, but it kind of closes the door before it even starts. And you're like, mm, are you actually good? Because <laughs> you yeah. look a little stressed. I mean, how do we then bring or elevate you know communication in those moments? Mm-hmm. So, On many levels,
1: we can't force others to feel comfortable discussing things they're not comfortable with. So I've experienced this, you know, I'm obviously very sensitive to other people's losses, having experienced many myself. And I've experienced this before where somebody has lost someone and I'll approach them and say, you know, oh gosh, I'm I'm so sorry to hear this. And they'll say, oh, it's, you know, we're okay. I'm, I'm fine. And, you know, I will certainly try to um, make sure they know I'm there to listen. So I might say something like, so how have things been lately? Mm-hmm. You know, and try to open that door gently, but if they come back again with, yeah, it's fine, I'm good. It, it's a clear sign that person's not comfortable discussing any further. And and so I, I think on some levels we have to respect that, but we can also, like I said, open that door by throwing it back at them gently to show them, hey, I'm, without saying this, but to say, hey, I'm here to listen if you need me. Um, so that gradually that trust builds up and they, you know, hopefully may feel a little more comfortable saying something a little more real, right? That they're having a tough time working from home with the kids or or whatnot. Um, because I think for me, that sweet spot is between being really closed off and being so open and focused on the problems that nobody can get anything done. And it's becoming overwhelming on an emotional level to everyone.
0: Especially in the workplace, right? I mean, yeah. if we've got 30 minutes blocked off because we're working on a project together, I I can totally empathize with, you know, why someone wouldn't want to open that emotional door and go down that path. But I also think that, and I, I also really completely completely respect people's boundaries and not pushing them past their comfort zone but I also see a huge disconnect with everything being virtual right now and everyone feeling like I have to be on I have to perform I have to deliver uh, everything is meetings now because there is no you know water cooler talk so even the simplest task is you not know, taking you know 10 to 15 minutes um, and it's a little more formal than perhaps it was before and I feel like, Some of those organic moments of like, hey, so how are you actually doing? You know, is there anything I can do to help are a little lost. And so bringing that into the workplace, are there ways that outside meetings, you know, we can we can reprioritize the human connection?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it 's crucial because I think that person who you know you described who is closed off it may just be that they 're not comfortable in an eight person meeting saying Hey, this is what i 'm really dealing with, but that one on one like you said at the water cooler, they might have said something or you 'd have picked up on how tired they looked and been able to use that to open the door and so you know my advice to somebody who who 's in a leadership position is Try to create moments, whether it's you touching base with each employee, you know, even if it's five minutes, 10 Mm -hmm. minutes, just to really check in. And it's not a, you know, I'm checking in to check in on how many things you've gotten done, right? It's a well-being, how are you doing check-in. And then maybe also look at bridging those gaps across employees, you know, because not every employee will ever feel open to sharing with somebody in a management position, but, you know, sort of giving the team the okay, let them know, you know, please call and support one another. Um, And, and I think when you focus on that human side, like you described, I think that's where we're going to get the biggest benefits in terms of performance, because I think people are so exhausted right now from that lack of connection and support, that it's having a huge impact on, on what people
0: get done in a day. Mm -hmm. Big time. So I've worked with people who (laughs) would identify as great communicators, (laughs) but uh, I, you know, maybe we have a difference of opinion there. And so (laughs) (laughs) how would you differentiate someone who, you know, can communicate versus being an effective communicator? Mm So that's a great question because I I've seen
1: time and time again where people like you say describe themselves as great communicators and 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 in fact as I'm saying this 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 may have been me <laughs> you know 15 <laughs> years ago so people who are very comfortable getting up and talking you know they're they're comfortable getting up in front of a group leading a discussion uh, sharing their opinion Uh, But sometimes where they're a little bit weaker is in listening to the other opinions in the room and connecting with the nonverbal messages that people are sending because they don't dare speak up because, you know, the other individual has such a strong personality that if you're a quieter personality, it can be tough to speak up. And so for me, being a good communicator is about, yes, being able to share your ideas well. But I think even more than that, it's about getting people to trust you so that they feel comfortable sharing their true opinions. And I quite honestly, don't feel that this is a skill that is mastered by the majority of people. It's something I'm still working on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I saw in my work with First Nations clients how when when I didn't leave enough space for their opinion, when I didn't respect their perspective enough, and it was all done inadvertently, but I saw how quickly it would break the relationship. And I think the same thing is happening here. We're just not noticing it as much because we're at a much faster pace than Than they are
0: Mm. of life. You had mentioned, or it's in your bio, that your work with the First Nations organizations has really influenced your work. And so, you know, that trust, I think, is a really great nugget. Is there, or are there, other ways in which working with the First Nations community has really shaped the way that you communicate today? Hugely. So,
1: I think I used to overstep quite a bit. Because I had this notion of, you know, I have all this knowledge and I can help you, and let me, you know, jump in and solve your problems for you. Mm. And I realized that 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 approach does not work up there whatsoever. They want support, but the minute you're jumping over that line of what really should be your responsibility and what should be theirs. Uh, it breaks relationships. And so that was a great learning lesson for me because it helped me redefine like, boundaries, really, right? What is my responsibility and having respect for other people's boundaries, uh, sorry, their, their responsibilities, but leaving them space to navigate that and mess that up and figure out how to do it better with maybe guidance, but not, not telling. And I think that's a space where I see a lot of leaders struggle because there, again, there's such a notion that your responsibility is to make team members perform at certain levels. And so by rebalancing that, I find there's a lot, a lot less conflict, a lot more true motivation and much better, you know, cohesion and performance.
0: That's really wonderful. Is there something that you can suggest that you know, for those listening who are thinking, oof, I've got to really elevate my communication skills or this is something I'm actively working on improving because I really want to bring the team together, whatever it might be. Is there something we can do today? Like low-hanging fruit, something we can implement or try to to see if it sticks, to see if, if it does help to improve our communication.
1: Yeah, so I think, I think the biggest tip I would have is... So first, I mean I'm going to say two things here. First, ask yourself what your natural communication style is. Are you somebody who's really comfortable jumping in, sharing your opinion, or are you somebody who's a little more reticent, you know, more of a listener and it's hard for you to speak up? And then once you have that figured out, really the next step is trying to push yourself a little bit into that other zone. So if you speak up all the time and share your opinion, start making yourself hold your breath for a couple seconds. And, you know, listen a little bit more and sometimes not speak up when you want to. And that's that's my profile for some one in some interactions. And so I've I've had to practice that. But then on the other end, if you have a hard time speaking up and sharing, you know, find a situation where you feel safe. So it doesn't mean you have to get up in front of a group of 20 people and and argue against the person, you know, sharing what's going on in the project, but maybe have a one-on-one conversation where you share a difference of opinion. And, and so I think when you have an awareness of where your challenges are and you take baby steps to push yourself to do some of the things that are a little bit harder, that's where you can gradually develop the skills that, that are more challenging for you.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. You've given us a lot to think about in this short time. I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been lovely chatting with you. Where can people follow you and learn more? I mean, you give advice and tips and tools regularly. So guys, you do want to follow her. So where can we connect?
1: Well, thank you. Uh, so I'm, I'm active mostly on LinkedIn. So you can find me there. And I'd love it if you'd reach out and connect with me. And and as you said, I, I have a podcast, the workplace communication podcast that I share on LinkedIn, as well as uh, videos and all sorts of stuff. So you can check that out there. And uh, my website is lindsaylapaquette.com. And so there's information there about my trainings and coaching, and you can go take a look there.
0: Wonderful. I will be sure to link those in the show notes for easy access. Lindsay, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Well, thanks for having me. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.